Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled. Women in the ring. fans to the two minute round this is your hooks and jabs look at the female fight world we have been missing for a couple of weeks but we are back here on the airwaves blocktalkradio.com forward slash two minute round my name is Felipe Leon from Southern California slash Baja California Tijuana to be more exact and with us from the Bay Area of Northern California it's Mrs. Lupi Gutierrez Lupi how are you doing tonight Lupi, you there? Hey, Felipe. Hi, David. I'm serving enchiladas as you speak about Tijuana. Ah, there you go. And from the <laughs> Inland Empire, just east of East L.A., his hometown, is Mr. David Avila. David, how you doing? Very good, Felipe. How you doing? Good, good. good. Well, here we have it, folks. We're on here on another show of uh, Two Minute Round, your hooks and jabs look at the female boxing world. We usually have a guest, but we decided not to have one today because we have a lot to talk about. We have some past fights that we need to touch bases on, and then we also have the fights that are coming up in the next couple of weeks. Our next show, it is scheduled for September 9th, Thursday, and we'll be talking about the fights that we would mention in our upcoming calendar. But let's look at the review and let's see what happened in the last two or three weeks in the female boxing world, starting with Tuesday, August the 3rd. Um, I think it was Thrilla uh, presenting this fight card out of New York City, the theater at the Madison Square Garden, where none other than amateur standout Cristina Cruz uh, was featured on the card, making her pro debut. She scored a majority decision over Indeya Smith in a four-rounder at 112 pounds. Scores there were 40-36, 39-37 for Christina Cruz, and an even 38-38. David, did you get a chance to watch this fight? Uh, I didn't watch the whole entire fight, but I did watch uh, uh, more than a round. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty interesting to see her take the transition to pros. So did you do you think that with what you saw, which you didn't see the whole thing, but you saw more than one round, did you see that her transition – is going to be a little bit better than others that we've seen from the amateur to the pro style? Well, it's going to be a little tough. It seems like it was for Marlon Esparza because uh, what they've been doing for years and years and years in amateurs doesn't really uh, work. In the, it, it works to a degree in pros, but but pro fighting is more about hurting than just touching. And uh, that's the difference when... It's a big bow versus a, a, a tap. Did you get a chance to see the fight, Lupi? No, I didn't. And I have to apologize to everybody. The last um, few weeks I've been deal- dealing with some personal things, so I've been, like, kind of trying to but not really as I usually am. But what I do know, and David, you're right. I mean, transitioning to the pros for a lot of them is so hard because of the point system versus the hurt system. Um, but India, I mean, she's like, it's her third or first fight. She's making a nice transition. You know, she's pretty game and she's getting some good fights. Christina, um, she gets a lot of good work with a lot of, uh, pros in the Puerto Rican national team. So, I mean, we can just see, we'll see what happens. She's really well liked. She had a great now, Cruz, in the car, so. Cruz is uh-huh. on the, on the other side of 30, right? She's closer to 40. So she's making her pro yeah. debut. Yeah. She's been an amateur yeah. standout for years. She has been in the USA system for a long time. And then she actually went over to the Puerto Rican national team to get a chance for the Olympics. She didn't make it to the Olympics, did she, uh, Lupi? No, she didn't. She did replace their top um, Rose Matos um, from Puerto Rico and then COVID and that was it. She mm-hmm. didn't rank over there. Mm-hmm. So, David, do you have any information as far as Lou DiBello was the promoter on paper and the lead promoter? I'm sure that he did the whole card on this Madison Square Garden card uh, sponsored or actually presented by Thriller on their on their application. 
on their OTT app. Does Debella have a relationship with Christina Cruz, or was it more of a fact that she is, you know, a known amateur and now she was making her pro debut, and that's why she got on the card? Uh, I'm not, you know, I haven't really talked to him exactly about that, but I have a suspicion that she is connected with Debella Entertainment. Okay. So we'll see. And nothing she's Puerto Rican. Uh huh. And she's Puerto Rican, mm-hmm. just like Amanda Serrano. So that might have something to do with this as well. And she's from New York as well, right? She's from Hell's Kitchen, I believe. New York yeah. City. Yeah. And, and she's also like a history maker. I think she's like one of the highest um, decorated amateurs for the longest period of time, or something like that. Fourteen mm. years or something. So yeah, she's we'll Hell's Kitchen. See. We'll see if she gets – she hasn't announced anything in the future. I mean, this fight just happened earlier this month. So we would expect for her to get back in the ring pretty soon because, as I mentioned, she is closer to 40 than 30. And that, in a sense, needs you need to kind of put your pedal to the metal if you want to, you know, achieve anything in the pro ranks. So we'll see what is next for Christina Cruz. But she takes a majority decision in her pro fight on August 3rd, on Saturday, August 7th in Costa Rica, the IBF 105-pound champion, Yocasta Valle, scored a unanimous decision over Deborah Rengifo of Venezuela in a 10-rounder. I believe it wasn't a title fight as far as I could see on BoxRec mm-hmm. and other reports. Scores were 189 three times. So it was a, you know, a lopsided win for Valle, which was expected. Originally, Valle was looking to unify her title with the WBC champion Tina Rupert, but it didn't happen. So she ended up having to get into this kind of stay busy fight with Deborah Rengifo. She is co-promoted by, uh, is it Marv Nation, David, or Red Promotion? Or I don't even know who it is over here in, in that's a good California. Question. That's a good question. That's a good question. I don't know if they're still connected to them or not. Well, what I've seen, I don't know David, if it's Marv Nation or Red Boxing. Yeah, but what I've seen is that um, recently, Marv Nation slash Red Boxing or whoever that a promoter might be has been promoting some kind of box fest in September, and is yeah. using. They haven't actually announced who's gonna fight, but they have been using the image of not only Yocasta Valle but also Adelaila Ruiz, who is also yeah. connected to them. She fought on their cards before. So I don't know if they're mm-hmm. just using the images because obviously those are the bigger names that they have under their banner or that there is a chance that Yucasta Valle might be fighting in Southern California along with, not against, but along with Adelaida Ruiz on that date. Any news on that? Uh, I would say that that's not going to happen with Yucasta. I don't think so. I would say that the odds of her fighting on that date are 10%. Wow. Why would you yeah, say that? Go ahead. Uh, just because of information that I have regarding uh, their intentions, they can't really discuss anything right now, but their their intentions aren't to fight on that card. Now, can you share with us if her next fight is going to be in Costa Rica or in another country? Uh, it'll probably be in another country. Okay. And... Uh, the, the reason uh, her last fight was not for a title was because Costa Rica shut down. They, they, they were expecting to have full crowds at the stadium. Mm-hmm. And when they, they shut it down again, uh, they couldn't pay for the title because they need people to pay for the tickets. And they couldn't do that, so they just did it on TV in a small area uh, for the minimum. What are you going to say, Lupi? They couldn't afford to pay for the sanction. Excuse me? Lupe was about to say something. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say that these people were tagging me in in that Heroes Among Us, whatever they're they're promoting. But there's a whole bunch, like official red boxing, red boxing, red music. There's like six different promotions are going on with this. Yeah. Well, that's, so that's hard. what I'm waiting on. I, think, I mean, mm-hmm. one thing that they do well is promote and, 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 and create a buzz and they're doing that with this kind of teaser just saying box fest and, and setting the date but they haven't really, I haven't seen anything as far as who is going to be participating on that card 
I haven't even seen Adelaide Reese, who will be a, if it's going to be in Southern California, will be a perfect fit. Announced. I think yeah. she has mentioned that she's going to be fighting soon, but she hasn't actually mentioned the date. So it might be on that card. It might be on something else. But yeah, her, her fighting is a strong chance. Yeah, that's a very strong chance. But Yocasta, no. Um, now moving on to on the same day, Saturday, August seventh, on from the fight camp in England, Ebony Bridges of Australia scoring a third round TKO over veteran Beck. Connolly in a scheduled eight rounder. This was in the third round. Uh, the weight was 118 pounds of bantamweight, and the time was 122. Lupe, I, I'm sure you watched this fight. What did you think of Ebony yeah. Bridges and, and her, her performance against Beck Connolly? I think it was exactly what I thought. Coming forward, hitting hard. Just, she's a tough girl. I mean, it, I think we all knew what was going to happen with this fight, too. You know, you have two great personalities. Everybody likes them both. But you knew that Ebony Bridges was going to come and, and TKO Beck right out. She she's a little bull, bulldog. She just keeps going forward and hitting hard. And you know, and there you go. One minute and twenty two seconds into round three. Davis. Yeah, she's very good. I mean, she has a good skill, good power. She knows what she's doing. And uh, any misjudgments that she can't fight, I think she already dispelled that. She can fight. Yeah. Yep. I'm pretty impressed by her, quite honestly, because if you kind of we've had her on the show, and if you follow mm-hmm. her on social media, which she has a, a large following, um, you kind of get her story where she kind of started in in she was a, a, a I don't know what to call them like a fitness model type, not fitness model, but she was competing in like a fitness yeah. type of thing, and then she mm-hmm. actually before that. Um, um, she was actually a ring card girl before even doing that. And then very late, because I think she's in her mid, uh, mid-30s, she she started uh, practicing and, and learning boxing. And you, there's skill there, honestly. From, from her starting super late, mm-hmm. there is skill there um, from Ebony Bridges. And from that fight, I forgot who it was. I think it was, uh, it was a Shannon Courtney where – her eye was closed. I mean, um, there was a lot of uh, uh, heart. We saw a lot of heart in that fight against Shannon Courtney where her eyes was closed and she just kept fighting. So, you know, we've we've seen a lot of fighters, especially in female boxing, that have started very late in their lives, um, boxing, whatever, you know, and you don't see the skills that you see from, Ebony Bridges. So it's pretty impressive. And Beck Conley, obviously a little bit past her prime and Ebony Bridges. I've, I've been a firm believer, David, and I'm sure we've spoken about it before is that if you get matched up against a fighter that is not to your level, you need to show that they're not to your level in the ring. You know, a Beck Conley, if Ebony Bridges is a world type of fighter, world-level type of fighter, which she claims to be, and she's actually fought for a world title, and she fell a little short against Shannon Courtney, but she is looking for another world title shot. So if you're a world title-level fighter, and you say you're a world title-level fighter, when you face a non-level of that level, like a Beck Conley, you know, with all her experience and everything, she's just not at that level, you need to prove that she's not your level and by knocking her out. And Ebony Bridges did just that. She knocked her out. Do you agree with that statement, David, or do you think there's something else? No, no, absolutely. I mean, she did. You stated it perfectly. You know, when somebody is a B fighter and you're claiming to be an A fighter, then the B should have no uh, business being in the, not no business, but they shouldn't be able to compete with you. And that's what she did. She showed that she couldn't compete with her at a full eight or how many rounds was it? Eight rounds, I think. It was, eight, it was an eight-rounder, but it, it was, she stopped her in three. Loopy. Yeah, that was impressive. So with this type of performance, do you feel that Ebony Bridges is on the road, if not already a world-level fighter? I think so. I think she definitely deserves another world title shot. Because like you said, I mean, um, you know, if you claim to be a world-level boxer, you should – 
do that to somebody like Beck Conley. And for somebody like Ebony Bridges with, what, five fights, it's mm-hmm. perfect. I mean, it, it doesn't really work the other way around when you're like an Amanda Serrano or Kelly Reese and you go down a level. You know, then you're like, it doesn't work that way. But for Ebony, it's working. She, and to, I'm totally impressed in every which, every way. You know, we like when we had her on the show. I mean, she just has a beautiful personality. She knows boxing. She's She's a, she's a yeah, I think so. She's a heck of a marketer. I mean, she spent some time with Barbie yeah. Juarez in Mexico not too long ago, and she must have learned. I mean, she knew it before, but she must have learned quite a bit more from Mariana Juarez because if Mariana Juarez knows how to do anything, it's to market herself, and Ebony Bridges is doing exactly the same thing. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Ebony Bridges um, a little bit later on in the show because she does have a fight coming up and we'll be talking about that. But on Saturday, August 14th in Orlando, Florida, Alicia Baumgartner came back from a, a from a hiatus to score the unanimous decision over Vanessa Bradford in an eight-rounder at 135 pounds. No scores were announced there. And on Friday, August 20th, here in San Diego, California, on Fight TV, Callie Ree scored a majority decision over Deanna Prazic in a 10-rounder um, at 140 pounds to defend her WBA and to capture her IBO uh, titles. Scores there were 97-93, 96-94 for Reese, and an even 95-95. And we'll talk about the other fight on that card in a little bit. But, Lupi, what uh, – what did you see in this fight against Callie Reese? And did you expect such a spirited effort by Deanna Prazic? You know, the little that I saw, oh, I didn't, ex- I don't know what I expected from Diana because I know, you know, what she was. I mean, I haven't seen her fight in a, in a while. And I expected Callie Reese to win. I mean, you should if Diana's, you know, like they say, she might be a little bit past your prime. But she really, Diana really, like, she really hung in there. I mean, but I did expect Callie um, to win, but I only got to see a little bit of that one, too. David? David, did you see that whole fight? Yeah. Yeah. It was, what did you uh, see? I was a little surprised. I thought Callie would have a much easier time. Mm-hmm. Um, she, uh, I mean, Diana Project was going two weight divisions up, and Callie was coming three divisions down. And, mm-hmm. you know, I figured she'd just out-muscle her and, and beat her easy, but it wasn't the case. She had a lot of problems fighting inside. Uh, she had to figure it out. She did, all credit to her. She figured out how to um, to get back into the fight because the first – I thought the first three or four rounds, the uh, project was doing really well. Yeah, and actually I had the privilege to be ringside for it, and I was actually right next to the uh, – Callie Reese corner and obviously being that close I could hear the instructions and what they were yelling and Prazek had been out of the fight game for about five years I believe and came back and won mm-hmm. a fight in Tijuana and then she she got this opportunity and I was I was really impressed with with Prazek I mean she's just she doesn't hit hard and a lot of her punches were seemed to be arm punches but she never stopped throwing punches. And it really, at in the beginning of the fight, and I agree with you, David, that in the second half of the fight, Callie Reese got the right instructions from her corner. And she was able to kind of push, push, physically push with her shoulder, Prazic back and create a little bit of space there. But in the beginning, there was no space. And that was really bothering Callie Reese and really throwing her off her game. And it was pretty impressive how Prazic was able to really close down the, the the real estate between them and really nullify Reese's jab, being that Reese was the taller and longer fighter. But at the end, you know, and during the, the majority of the fight, Reese was the one that was scoring the harder telling punches. And that's why I think she got the 97-93 the 96-94 was pretty close. And then one of the judges actually saw it in even 95-95. And to be quite honest with you, the crowd at the Sequan Casino in San Diego, California, thought that maybe the 95-95 was the most uh, accurate scorecard. And actually, Reese got a little bit booed um, during her post-fight interview 
And she, as a warrior that she is, and I do believe she is a warrior, she takes fights. You know, we've seen her fight Cecilia Breakout. We've seen her fight at a, at a higher weight classes. She said, hey, if you, if you don't want to make the rematch, I'm more than happy to make the rematch. But, you know, it was pretty impressive how Prazek was really making her uncomfortable inside that ring. So um, we'll see what happens to Prazek if she gets another opportunity, if she gets to fight again. Um, and we'll see if Reese gets the opportunity or if Prazic gets that rematch or if Reese just moves on to bigger and greener pastures now that she defended her WBA and captured the IBO title. Also on the same card, Alma Ibarra from Mexico scored a unanimous decision over Candy Wyatt in the eight-rounder at welterweight with scores of 80-72, 79-73, and 78-74 to win the eliminator and now get a chance to challenge Jessica McCasco. David Alma Ibarra is with Lou DiBella. Um, Lou DiBella, obviously we've had him on the show and we know how connected he is in the female boxing world and the opportunity that he can secure the female fighters, which are a, a number of them under his stable. Do you think it's something that he could push for in the near future? Or do you think that McCasco is obviously looking for bigger names like Katie Taylor and something to that effect and really not looking. How much can Debella push so that she has to face Ibarra? Uh, well, because she has all the belts, I think she's in a position to just say, well, you can keep that belt. Uh, so she has that power, McCaskill does. And, uh, but... If the money comes, I'm sure, you know, they'll take anybody. But it's all about money with that with them. They want a big money fight. McCaskill is in her 30s. Uh, the way that Rick Ramos has been positioning her so far is that he's always going after that big money fight. And that's mm-hmm. why they wanted Katie Taylor, who I don't know if Katie Taylor is going to give her a rematch or not. Uh, you know, that's that's up to Eddie Hearn and Matt Schroom Boxing. Yeah, and Ibarra, I don't think that she represents um, that big money fight. She's not really well known. Her biggest fight, even bigger than this one, on a bigger platform, was her beating Maricela Cornejo out in Puerto Rico, I believe it was, the fight. Mm-hmm. In her last in her last fight before this Candy Wyatt fight, Lupe, David mentions that one of the options for Jessica McCaskill is to drop the title that Ibarra can now challenge for. Do you think that Jessica McCaskill's identity now as a fighter is more wrapped up in being the undisputed champion, or do you think that she'll be willing to drop that title to go for that money fight against Kenny Taylor? I don't know exactly what Jessica. I know what Rick, and, and he's very vocal about it. I mean, maybe they think the same way, but she doesn't say much. But he, he's really, I think, wrapped up into the undisputed, and I, and I get it because he does want Katie Taylor. I mean, they lost. I, I get what he's doing, and he wants a big money fight. Um, him and Al- Alma Ibarra went back and forth a little on social media a few months back because she wants to fight. And, I mean, he told her pretty much, I don't know who you are. You're really not worth it. I mean, he's pretty insulting. Now she mm. has the opportunity, and I think, too, I mean, this is, I mean, consider it a tune-up fight or just like a, a stay busy fight, but I think he should give it to Alma. I think she earned it, but I think he is wrapped up in the undisputed until he gets what he wants. And now, I say him because she's not very vocal. He's vocal. I don't know exactly what she wants. Did you did you guys get a chance, Emily? Emily, I forgot her. I, I know her last name. I just can't pronounce it. From Phoenix, the publicist. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna butcher it, but I'm gonna try. It's um, Emily. Pandelakis, she was a PR. She does a really good job. She was a yeah, PR for, uh, yeah, for the for the Debella card because Debella was a promoter of the fight card here in San Diego, along with Patrick Ortiz. Remember that name, David? And um, oh yeah, I thought I saw him. I thought yeah, I saw he, him in the in the casino. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he was a co-promoter, and uh, so he's the one that secured Saquon, um, Lou Debella brought Fight TV. And that's how they made the card. And then they added a bunch of uh, local fighters, which they, they they did a really, really good job with the card. I was really 
entertained and impressed by by the card. And Emily, with the with the PR work that she did, and she wrote this story about Alma Ibarra that I read it and was pretty impressed by her story. And I don't know if you guys uh, uh, read it, but turns out that Alma Ibarra has a son, and he's a I think it's a hemophiliac, so he has a right. a condition where if he bleeds, his blood doesn't clot. So any little scrape or scratch can be, you know, life-threatening. And um, so she's dealing with that. And then while she was still an amateur, she was actually kidnapped for ransom um, prior to a major uh, amateur tournament. And she wasn't released until she was actually physically hurt during the kidnapping. They slapped her around a little bit. And then... um, and then she was actually released um, after one of the fights that she was supposed to have, and they did not let her fight in that amateur tournament. And that's why she ended up turning pro because she also needed the money because of some medical bills with her son and her parents. And that's why she ended up going pro. She's very skilled. Um, she's training in Las Vegas, this camp she made in Las Vegas. And uh, I was pretty impressed by her performance, and I think that, I think it honestly, she has a good chance of putting up a really good fight against Jessica McCaskill. Unfortunately for her, her her profile needs to be built so so that McCaskill does want to fight her, or if McCaskill wants to win that, keep that belt and keep that identity as an undisputed um, unified world champion. You know, Lou DiBella needs to push for that fight. So we'll see if that is something that could be uh, sought after by DiBella and Alma Ibarra's manager. So that's all we have for the fight results for the last couple of weeks, two or three weeks. Now we're going to move on to our fight chatter. And to start off, we'd like to have the report from Lupe, starting off with Lupe Gutierrez, because not only Lupe Gutierrez, but Mr. David Avila were present on August 14th in Las Vegas for the ceremony of the of the um what's the official title of the of the Hall of Fame Lupe? International Women's Boxing Hall of Fame. Exactly, that is actually um uh, headed by our good friend Sue T.L. Fox. So, why don't you give us your report on the proceedings Lupe and then we'll move on to David and his uh and what he gathered from the whole ceremony out there in Las Vegas. Actually, they inducted the 2020 and the 2021 women, and there was a whole list of them, including, and some men like Roy Engelbrecht, the, the legendary Southern California promoter. So why don't you go ahead and tell us your impressions, and then we'll go with David. It was just, you know, Sue Fox really outdid herself this time. I guess with the two classes, it brought more – people in. It, it just seemed like it was buzzing. We went um, not only to attend, but we always help her set up. So we were there to work, and that's when we saw David. David came all dressed up, and we were still in sweats. Mm. But uh, even the setup, the setup, and you get to see um, everyone walking in still not dressed, and everyone checking it all out. And it was just, She just really outdid herself. Um, there was, I mean, everything from the tables to, she had a merchandise table with, like, just her packaging was beautiful. That she had a raffle where um, Leilali's glo- signed gloves were given, were raffled off. There was great gifts like that. Um, she had uh, Christy Martin brought um, her. Her name is um, Zoe Bustamante out of Las Vegas, and it's a twelve. She's a twelve-year-old little amateur that won her. Um, she had her first amateur fight, and she won her first Christy Martin International um, Invitational belt. So she brought this little girl walking around with her belt. That was like wow. highlight. This little girl was being interviewed. Right, David? She was being interviewed. She was in the spotlight. It was incredible. <laughs> there was just so many. Um, there was Bonnie Mann. You know, she's one of the only ones that I got to actually sit down and talk to. And she's also an, uh, a Marine. She was in the Marines, so she's in that Hall of Fame as well. Um, there was Graciela. There's, these things are just sticking out of my mind. Uh, Graciela. Uh, what, what's her last name, David? Graciela. She, and I hope she doesn't mind this, but she is 65 years old. I don't know if you knew that. But she's just, she looks like she's in her 40s. I, and another thing, Felipe, I've never seen a room with so many beautiful arms, all the women. I mean, they're just with these guns. From Layla McCarter, she's 
the head of the pack with the beautiful arms. There wow. was, um, and you know what else? During the speeches, there was, and David, this you must have loved this, because there were so many fighters that kept picking um, Christy Martin and Layla McCarter. I had a great career, but the thorn in my side is Layla McCarter. Layla McCarter. She must have been called out in almost every speech. And I saw her one time. She was on her phone. And then she looked up, and she heard it again, and she's, like, pointing. So Layla McCarter was one of the thorn in the sides to a lot of fighters there. Wow. It was just a David? good job. It was beautiful. It was just great. Go ahead, Dean. Yeah, no, um, it, it was uh, amazing, uh, especially uh, considering the pandemic, because a lot of people – couldn't show because of the pandemic. They were concerned, and a lot of people couldn't make it because they, because of the restrictions. And so, even in spite of that, it was still a, a large gathering of people. It was very. Las Vegas is a perfect setting. Uh, Sue uh, stated uh, that she's going to keep it there in Las Vegas, which is uh, pretty good, mm. uh, because now that everybody knows it's going to be there, they can plan around that. You know plan for yeah. a Vegas uh, vacation and so forth. And um, there are so many fighters that I've, I haven't seen in 20, 30 years. Uh, and it was amazing. A lot of young uh, fighters were there, young pros, uh, like uh, Zarina McCoy, uh, Michaela Neville. Um, there's, uh, they were all there. Everybody was there. It was pretty interesting. As, well, in full disclosure, I have helped – since the inception of the of the Hall of Fame, I, you know, I think that everybody, and just like with this show, and, and we mentioned it in the past, you know, we all got to try and put whatever we can and help however we can to yeah. promote female boxing. You know, David and I, we write for the PriceFighters.com. Um, Lupe and her sister, I mean, I mean, it goes without saying with the Breeder for Brawlers. Um and one thing that I try to do as well to help, you know, promote female boxing is that I help um, uh, sue and I create and I design and I create it, um, the program that she has every year at the Boxing Hall of Fame. So thankfully, and it thanks to really her, nice, I, I thank it was you. Very uh, nice layout. Uh, you do a great job. I was able to help with that, and every year she invites me to the ceremony, and for whatever reason, I was not able to go. But now that you tell me, David, that it's going to be in Vegas every time, because that one time it was in Florida, wasn't it? One of those times yeah. it was in Florida. Yeah. Yes, it was. But now that she's going to keep it in Vegas, then I can start planning for next year, and I definitely want to go, especially with uh, Lupe telling me that with all the guns and the arms and everything and the female <laughs> fighters. So it sounds like a like a good time, you know, and I saw all your pictures and everything. And I'm like, I wish I would have been there, but next time I'm definitely going to uh, make it out there because it is going to stay in Las Vegas. So we'll try to make it our, our way out there. Now, moving on with the different news and the big news this week, not only in female boxing, but in boxing in general is the decision by the WBA to do away with their interim world titles. Now in their edict that was done live on social media by the president of the WBA, uh, uh, Gilberto Mendoza Jr., he didn't really specify if 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 the new rule about interim world titles was going to translate to female boxing as well. So as of right oh. now, we don't, what's that? No, that's, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, we don't know to the point right now if, if it is going to be also for female boxing, but if he does do away with the interim title in female boxing, there's going to be three female fighters that are not going to be champions anymore for the WBA. One of them being Raquel Miller from from San Francisco. She's the interim 154-pound champion. She captured that title November 23rd, 2019 in Canada. And then the other one will be Venezuela's Eva Guzman, who is the um, – and I feel bad for her because she just captured that on June of this year. She's from Venezuela, and she captured that title just a couple months ago. And the other one that would not be a champion any longer as far as interim would be Jessica Neri Plata, who captured that title on April 14, 2018. So as far as the men, they are not champions anymore. Those, those fighters that were champions, interim champions in the different weight classes for the WBA are not going to be either 
mandatory challengers to the world title, or they're going to have to uh, face another fighter in an eliminator to become the mandatory challenger. And at this point, uh, we don't know if that's going to be translated the same with the female fighters that were interim champions or might still be interim champions for the WBA. So we're going to have to wait and see, or if somebody goes out there and asks um, uh, Gilberto Mendoza Jr. if that is the case with, uh, with the female boxers. Now, another story that came out in the last time since we last had our show, and speaking of Christy Martin, who is a legend, obviously, in female boxing, but if you haven't had a chance, we strongly, strongly recommend to watch the, the documentary now on Netflix about Christy Martin. It's called Untold Deal with the Devil, and it's the story of Christy Martin, her rise and somewhat of a fall uh, in her career, and she's very candid um, in the documentary. They have, they have her ex-husband, and if you don't know the story, he's in prison for acts that he committed against Christy Martin. Uh, you have uh, Iron Mike Tyson, who Christy Martin fought under, uh, in, under, in his undercards many, many times. You have Layla Ali, who Christy Martin faced in one of her last fights as a professional. You have Lisa Holwell, who fought Christy Martin and is now Christy Martin's partner. Um, on the on the documentary, it's pretty really really interesting. I don't know if you had a chance to watch it, Lupi, yet. No, not yet, not yet. I know the story though; it's incredible, and I'm sure it's going to be. Is it a yeah. documentary? So it's she, a documentary, yes. okay. but it's very it's very it's, it's actually it's a series called Untold, and they're touching different different um, events in 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 um in sports like i think the first one was something about basketball and i haven't watched the malice at the palace is called i haven't watched it yet but i'm planning to and then the second one is this one with christy martin i i mean one of the things and it's on the she she was actually addicted to cocaine which is something that i never would imagine from christy martin you know and um yeah. She's very candid about it. She's very candid about it, and she talks about it. She talks about the way that she acted against another other female fighters and the arrogance that she would portray in, in, in some of these uh, press conferences and the attitude that she had towards some of her opponents. She's very candid about that, and she's very candid about coming out, at, you know, coming out with her sexual preference and how that all turned out and how it affected her relationship with her ex-husband who if you watch I don't want to give away the documentary in case you haven't watched it and you don't know the the story of Christy Martin so this person her ex-husband is in prison for acts that he committed against Christy Martin David have you had a chance to watch the documentary no I haven't uh, actually when we were at the Hall of Fame uh, Christy uh, uh, told me about it if I knew about it I said oh yeah absolutely I, I wanted a chance to Sit down and just see it completely, but I haven't had that chance yet. Okay, yeah, you, if, I really recommend it. I watched it a couple of days ago, and I was really, really impressed by her candid, candidness, her and her frankness, and by the production of the of the documentary. And lastly, in the fight chatter, this is a story that we touched uh, not too long ago, but um, the welterweight world ranked at one point top ten. And then she ended up actually stepping away a little bit from boxing. But now she actually announced a couple of days ago that she's going to be fighting on September 4th here in Tijuana. But just recently she was named months ago uh, as the acting female boxing commission. Not female boxing, but just boxing commission. And she just happens to be a female. And the first Tijuana and the first for the state of Baja California, and that's Alejandra Phoenix Ayala, who is from Mexico yeah. City, has spent some time in Chicago. Well, she just announced um, a couple of days ago that she has left her post as the boxing commissioner or co-commissioner for uh, boxing oh. here in Tijuana, and that she's going to be back in the ring on uh, September 4th here in Tijuana. So, <laughs> so we're going to be seeing her. No, she couldn't stay away. She's been training for six months. She's lost about 30 pounds. And she says that she's 31 years old, 32 years old, and she she feels that she has a little bit more to to do mm-hmm. inside a boxing ring, and she's gonna come back. So uh, more than likely, I'll probably I'll probably make my way out there to that fight card and watch her return, and then uh, we'll see how that goes, and we'll see. At one point, she was signed to Rick Ramos. I don't know if she still is signed to Rick Ramos. I don't know if that relationship is gonna continue, 
but that's something that we could see that as well. Mm-hmm. Anything from yeah, your end, David? Oh, go ahead, Lupe. No, I was going to say he hasn't mentioned anything about her, and and he has been talking about his fighters, so I don't know if she's going to return with them. It doesn't sound like it. Yeah. Anything from your end, David, as far as any fight chatter? Uh, no, not at the moment. Okay. So like I mentioned, our next show is scheduled for September 9th. So we are going to go into our upcoming calendar right now. And starting off with Saturday, August 28th for Montreal, Canada on Fight TV, a fighter that we were all very impressed by and excited about when she fought during COVID in Vegas at the top-ranked bubble, Kim Clavel. She has not fought since, but she will be fighting this upcoming Saturday night in her home country of Canada. She's going to be facing Mexican Maria Soledad Vargas in a 10-rounder, and that's going to be for the vacant WBC Silver 108-pound title. And I think that's a belt that at one point Tenias Estrada held, and that's why it's vacant yes. because now she's a world champion in two uh, categories. Yes. So Kim Clavelle is going to be fighting for that title um, on this Saturday night. So we'll see how she looks. Unfortunately, you know, with all the COVID, the fact that she's a nurse, out there in Canada, I'm sure she got pretty busy with COVID cases as she was last summer when she fought at the top, top ranked bubble, and she kind of lost that momentum from that from that showing um, on that card. And but now she's picking it up again, and she's going to be fighting a ten rounder against Maria Maria Soledad Vargas this upcoming Saturday, and you can catch that on Fight TV here in the United States. And on Sunday, August 29th, today had the press conference from Cleveland, Ohio, on Showtime pay-per-view. Amanda Serrano will be defending her WBC, WBO, and IBO world titles against current WBC Super Bantamweight champion Yamiles Mercado in a 10-rounder. David, we talked about this fight in the past. Um, you know, it's finally happening on on Sunday uh, night. They've had a pretty Spirited and intense face-off at the press conference today. We're going to see their weigh-in on on Saturday. Yamiles Mercado actually joined a new team. She started training out here in Tijuana with Jackie Navas' team. Do you think that that fight camp could be enough to pull up the pull the upset against Amanda Serrano? Uh, I don't know. Um, no, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, we're talking about one of the best fighters in the world period uh, in Amanda Serrano. Uh, but I do expect they're very spirited fight because, uh, I mean, Puerto Ricans and Mexicans, they don't play. I mean, when they face each other, you can forget about records, forget about titles. Mm-hmm. They go for blood. And it's going to be it's, it's going to be the same. I've never disappointed when Mexico faces Puerto Rico. What are you expecting from this fight Sunday night, Lupi? I think I'm expecting. I think I feel like I know what's going to happen, and and that Amanda will take the fight. But like David said, you're right. When the Puerto Ricans and Mexicans fight, it's kind of like when she fought the the Argentinian, one of the sisters, um, the Bermuda sister. I mean, that was a mm-hmm. really great fight. But you knew how it was going to end. So, I, but I don't mind fights like that. I really don't because it's exciting, and you never know what could happen. Although we do in the I think that's and a good know, point. Yamalas, a lot of people didn't think she won that last fight. So we'll mm-hmm. see. I think that's a good point that you make, Lupi, is that, you know, anything can happen. David is a big proponent of anything can happen inside a ring, and a punch can change everything. But that's educated cool. guesses, educated guesses is that we know how this fight should end, right? But... I agree with you is that if anything, Mercado, Mercado, to me, she hasn't shown a lot of skill. I don't think she's that skillful. I think that if, if her last opponent wouldn't have broken her arm, there would have been a good chance that she would have lost that fight because even with the broken arm, she ended up hurting Mercado, actually busting her eardrum and then hurting her, almost knocking her out in the last round despite breaking her arm. Um, in that fight. But one thing about Mercado is that 
she does not give up. She comes forward, she throws punches, and either she's going to knock you out or she's going to win by decision because she, sc- she scored a lot of punches by coming forward or she's going to get knocked out. And she hasn't been knocked out yet, and we might see that Sunday night, but she's going to put an effort. She's going to put a valiant effort, and I think that's what we're going to see on Sunday night. One thing actually that reminds me is that I actually bumped into um, Alejandra Guzman, who is her was her former opponent, and she's actually, I believe that just uh, in the near future, I think that maybe by now or maybe in the in the next couple of weeks, she is gonna uh, undergo her last surgery, and then she's gonna be able to actually train in full by the beginning of the year. Because she was explaining to me that she wasn't even able to run from from that from that injury that it was recommended that she couldn't even run uh because i don't know if that vibration or whatever could and i've seen her after and she's now she her arm's not in a sling or anything but she wasn't allowed to run and actually when i saw her which was last week she she mentioned to me that she had just started running last week and and uh, and beyond that she hadn't done anything else because the, the doctors wouldn't let her and that after this upcoming surgery, which is the, just the, the last of it, that she's going to be able to start, I think, actually training. She could start, she could keep running, but she could, all, she could actually start training in the beginning of next year. So we would expect two or three months after that, we'll see her back in the ring. So that was the update on Alejandra Guzman, who's accurate challenge to Amiles Mercado for that 122-pound title some months ago. On Saturday, September 4th, in Leeds, on the zone, Katie Taylor will be facing former featherweight IBF champion Jennifer Hahn in a Schedule 10 rounder at 135 pounds. That is going to be for the WBC, WBA, IBOF, and WBO titles. Katie Taylor is the undisputed, undefeated, and um, uh, uh, undefeated, undisputed, unified world champion at 135 pounds and also on that same card ebony bridges is back and facing miley's gangloff in an eight rounder and 118 pounds this fight's going to be in leeds one thing that is surprising david i don't know why is that i don't feel a lot of buzz for this katie taylor fight yeah it's very strange i i thought the same thing as you i was like why isn't there a lot of buzz it's almost as if they expect something to go wrong. Or is it because the opponent? Go ahead, yes, Luby. I think so. I think so. Because that's all I heard when it first came out. I didn't even realize that it came out. And then I started hearing people saying, who's Jennifer Hahn? Who's Jennifer Hahn? And that's yeah. all they were saying. And that Rick well, Ramos was really upset for being overlooked. Well, when it was worth it, and that's funny thing that you say that. And I'll, I'll, I'll go back to what you just said. But, um, but, uh, but the fact is, when it was announced, you know, we all oh, Katie Taylor's going to fight. But since then, we haven't seen much. We haven't seen much of promotion from Katie Taylor. We haven't seen much promotion from the Zone. It's not the main event, I believe. I think there's another another fight is the main event. But we haven't heard a lot of buzz from the Katie Taylor. And I find it funny that the WB the unified lightweight champion, you know, quote unquote, overlooks Jessica McCaskill in Rick Ramos's eyes, but at the same time, the unified and undisputed champion, Jessica McCaskill might be overlooking some other fighters who she, she could be facing case in point, Alma Ibarra, um, mm-hmm. who just won the el- title eliminator. So when you're the fighter that has, when you're the champion that has all the world titles, just like Taylor does. And just like McCaskill does, then you have the right to overlook certain fighters, you know, and, and Katie Taylor opted to do that, or at least her team opted to do that. So, I find that kind of ironic. And lastly, and the only reason, this is not a fight that I would usually mention in our fight card and our upcoming calendar, but I thought that we should. Shelly Barnett, who has a record of four wins, five losses, and two draws, is going to be facing Noemi Bosquez in Milwaukee on Saturday, September 4th. Bosquez has a record of 12 wins, 16 losses, three draws, and two knockouts in a scheduled eight-rounder at Bantamweight for the vacant American Boxing Federation USA title. So the reason I mention is, I mean, we've talked about it before. Noemi Bosquez, we love her. She's a warrior. 
But in her last fight, we were kind of calling that maybe it was time for her to hang up the gloves from what we've seen, her performances. And we're nobody to say, you know, who she's staying, who she go. But thinking in her health, and she optimally has the the the, the last decision and the and the final decision when she's gonna stay and when she's gonna go. But see, we see her fighting once again. I really think that we're gonna see Noemi Boston in the ring again, and, and she is fighting um, again on September fourth um, from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Lucy. Yeah, you know, and and just looking at this, this is a totally fair fight. This is they're at the same level pretty much. And I like them both. Sherry, but Shelly Barnett did so much for the amateurs and so much for her boxing community, and everyone loves No-No. But it's fights like this. I mean, even though it's, mm-hmm. it's totally fair, but fights like this, I think they take away from the younger boxer. I hate to, but I am going to say it. They take away the fights from the younger boxers who are ready to, to get in there and people want to see, you know, and, mm-hmm. and there is a lot of boxers that are taking those spots away. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, this, I don't know where, I don't know where. Maybe Charlie Barnett is from the Milwaukee area, and she could sell some tickets there. And maybe there's not another ticket seller with, you know, younger, whatever the case may be. Noemi Bosque yeah. is not from Milwaukee; yeah. she's from Florida, so she's being brought in as quote unquote the opponent. Um, but you know, I, 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 that's, in, I'm just more concerned about about uh, their health. You know, Bosquez didn't yeah. look all that yeah. great in her last fight. And um, mm-hmm. health-wise, you know, response-wise, and I'm just thinking about that. But like I mentioned, ultimately the final decision is her and her team, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and that's yeah. the only reason that I wanted to mention it. David, any closing thoughts? Uh, no, no. I mean, they're about, it's all about entertainment. I always tell people it's not about records. It's about entertainment. That's what boxing is all about. It's all price fighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And then one thing, I mean, and I agree with Lupe is that it's a fair fight. Their records are somewhat similar. Maybe Noemi has more experience, but it's somewhat similar. And if there, and if there's something to be said is that it more than likely is going to be an entertaining fight because none of, neither one of them yeah. are going to go in there to lose or anything like that. Yeah. So there you have it. And maybe we'll get the results for that on our next show, which is scheduled for September 9th. So after three-week hiatus, we are back. We want to thank everybody for being on the show and listening here with us. We will try to secure a guest for our next show. Uh, We'll see who it is. If you guys have any um, ideas of who could it be, go ahead and, uh, and comment on our social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, and we'll try to secure uh, any fighter that you might think or any personality tied in with CMO boxing that you might want us to have on the show. So from Mr. David Avila, Mrs. Lupe Gutierrez, and myself, Felipe Leon, we want to thank you for being here with us, and we'll catch you again on our next show, September 9th. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.